0: You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.
1: Well, guys, good morning. I've... Um... Oh, there we go. I started a, a new series recently. I think they mentioned it. It takes a village. Um, I just want to say, if you're, if you're new in the room... You may not catch up on them all, but at least listen to the first one. It gives a bit of context of where we're going and why we're going there. And I, I also want to acknowledge for some of you, this series might be quite hard. And that kind of explains partly why, but also why it's important. So um, just generally to catch you up, if you're new in the room, we are we are talking really about raising sons and daughters. And, and the fact that that takes a village to do that, but also... Uh, we're kind of doing that with two things in mind the, the the first one is this you might have children you may have children in the future all that kind of stuff I think it's important to speak into that with that in mind but secondly we're raising we're all raising all, all seeking to raise spiritual sons and daughters and if I only mention one or the other just for the sake of time please know that that's the hat we're wearing that's the angle that I'm trying to trying to come at this from so before I jump in though I just wanted to say a couple of things um, firstly When when we do a series like this particularly, but I hope all the time, I stick my heart in your hands when I talk about this kind of stuff. And I actually do that quite deliberately because we're a family and because we have to be open and vulnerable with each other because that places us in the place of change and breakthrough. And, and also, when we then talk about something like this, about parenting, it, it's quite odd for me to talk about our children, because they're also here. This is, you could say, my place of work, and I, I try and protect them from it and, and just let them be, but that they're here as well. And so what I would often do, and I hope I do anyway, is actually share positive stories I would share things that we're seeking and things that we're seeking to see happen and do. I actually hope that would be the case over any subject because we're seeking more of Jesus and we're seeking something of his holiness and his purity among us and so therefore actually his bar is really high but it's not so high that we can't get over it. So what what I'm not saying is we're always right that our children always get it right, or that we've got it all sorted and sewn up. If if you know us, you would know that is certainly not the case. But what I am saying is, I do not want, and I do not want you, to settle for less. But certainly, please do not follow me or my way, follow Jesus and his way, But please, please, please at least seek out what his way is. Don't just settle for what culture's taught you or maybe something you've inherited or generationally. It's looked like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul wasn't being arrogant, the Gospels hadn't yet been written, so they didn't fully know what Jesus was like, and the best way to point some of these new followers of Jesus to something was to say, hey, follow follow what you see of Jesus in me, follow what you trust in me, and let that be the thing that is lived out, and uh, I guess that's what I'm saying, really, is can I inspire you, can I challenge you, can I encourage you to see what I'm trying to do is reveal something more of Jesus to you and the way that we raise sons and daughters and to see more and to believe more in others and for yourself. And if you hear any of that as um, condemnation or it highlights pain in you or perceived shortcomings, I guess there's two ways of seeing that. One is uh, that's not what I'm trying to do. Not intentionally anyway. But equally at times, sometimes I think what the Father does is he does offend our mind to reveal our heart. To allow him to break in with new deposits of healing, hope and grace. And I'm, I'm not trying to, certainly not trying to paint a perfect picture in our lives. But I am trying to stir you to a kingdom picture of what could be, even if you don't see it or believe in it for yourself And if if I'm really honest, what we're trying to do is I'm coming for gold. If I can get anywhere near it, we're coming for it. You might have settled for less, but we cannot settle for less. We want to dig for the gold. And sometimes that means we've got to be open, we've got to be vulnerable, we've got to lay aside our pride. And we've got to come before the Lord and say, Father, speak in and release the gold that you believe is in me. Hopefully, uh, that's helpful. The other thing I wanted to say is this, this sons and daughters thing, just, just to be really clear. I don't think I've said it like this before. This isn't an age thing. This is a spiritual thing. You know, before Steph and I um, got married, we uh, often used to meet up with this older couple. And at one point, we found ourselves um, giving them marriage counsel. And uh, we were speaking into their marriage. We were seeking to influence some of the pain and the tensions that we could see and they were facing. And we were seeking to just uncover something of Jesus in them. I remember that moment like it was yesterday because it taught me so much. This is not an age thing. Some of you will look around and you'll think, well, who are my spiritual mothers and fathers? Who's going to pour into me? And I I just want to say, don't wait for that pour out what he's already given you, and as you do, you will see it increase. My earthly father didn't, that's a great ringtone, just highlight that. My, um, A really good one. My um, earthly father didn't pour into me, as a story in itself, but it was a broken, damaged relationship. But it meant that I accessed so much of what I didn't get and what I didn't have directly from my heavenly father. And actually, whilst I wouldn't choose the journey I had, I am grateful that I was able to do that. And with hindsight, it's benefited me deeply. It says this in John 4, verse 14, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Go to the source and start giving away what he deposits in you. This isn't an age thing. The more you give it, the more you will find you actually have the very thing you were looking for in the first place. So come to the source. As we come to the time, Steph mentioned it earlier, we'll have a time of ministry at the end. Come to the source. Honestly, come often and come regularly because we leak and we need to be refilled. This is also, um, I don't know if you know this, this is uh, Manchester has one the largest student population in Europe and it has one of the largest densities of 18s to 30s in the country. We need to realize we've got a fresh bubbling spring within us and start letting it leak out. We can't wait for the resources to pour into us. We've just got to start giving this thing away. And the work we do and the way we do it has the power to transform this city. Now, can I just ask you, do you actually believe that? Because I do. The power of Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit in us has the power to transform this city if we live in the way that he asks us to live. And I guess the final thing I just wanted to say is, particularly if you're new in this room, let's let's just have a sensitivity to each other because these kind of conversations stir up things that people need time and space to work through. And it's just an awareness that just because you haven't seen the pain go in you may not know the pain that is actually sat there and before the Lord may start to come out. So let's, let's just jump in. We often um, would say to our children that they know they're loved because they see it in what we do. The thing I want to ask us is, do they also hear it in what we say? One of the greatest protections from harm that you can give your children is the words, I love you. So, so powerful. Because those words can stop them chasing after relationships that could hurt them for the rest of their lives. We often try and protect our children. I say this generally, not just us, but I think we often try and protect our children from the cruel world, from harsh words that can sometimes um, really rob them. But actually we can rob them of things by not saying it. It's not just things we prevent, it's things that actually we should and could put on them. I don't know if you've ever found this. Why is it saying, I love you, sometimes can be so, so hard? And if you had a parent that never said to you, I love you, I just want to say this, it wasn't because of you. Now, sorry, I've jumped in hard and fast, and I know I said this series for some of you might be quite hard to process, that in itself may be hard to process. But often parents carry their own issues with anxiety and fear and some of their pride and processing their upbringing. And I love you is spoken out of the priority of love, the love of God to his children that he's given you then to give. And I just want to encourage you to, to process this, this, particularly this week. Do whatever you can do, to know and to understand and to have whatever you need to allow yourself to have a heart to hear and to know the love of God and the love that he has for your child. And be that either parenting or be that spiritual parenting of sons and daughters, even people in this room. Hear the love God has for them And as you do, it will change the way you interact and you walk alongside them. You can't love well if you don't know that you're loved because hurt people will hurt people. You know, some of the best ways you will learn to love them well is actually to learn that you're loved yourself because it will free you, it will heal you, it will settle you and you will then pass that on. Your kids will do what you do. And not only is that sometimes the good stuff, actually sometimes that's... The bad stuff, the challenging stuff. And so what is it that you need to do to ensure that you know that you're loved? That's kind of some of what I want to look at today. Because I I said this earlier, and I think I said it last week, that worship is for him. Worship's not for us, it's his time. But so often in those times, because of his goodness and the overflow of who he is, we find something of his love in it, we come to a point of realization. I would say, I found that even this morning, I just often have it, he loves me. He loves me, my, my, my Abba father, my daddy dad, he loves me. The creator of the universe loves me. And when we actually know that and we receive that and we believe that, it resets our minds and it settles our identity. And so, therefore, just to find yourselves in environments where you get to know that and understand that, you're probably going to have to up the amount of time where you have a a running conversation with God about these kind of things, to make time and space for a quiet walk and an experience of something of his creation or to listen to some worship music and just let the truth that he speaks out over you land on you and wash over you, to read your Bible and just to dwell on how much is for you? See, whatever it is, can I just encourage you to do that for your sake and actually therefore for theirs because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You need to know that you're loved so that you're then able to show love. And if, if you feel just as part of this series or even this morning slightly heartbroken as you look back on your own generational line, I just wanna say please don't be bound by that. You're actually of the line of Jesus. You're taking on the appearance of the family. Uh, A few weeks ago now, Steph and I met somebody that, that as far as I know, we had never met before. And yet, she was utterly convinced that she had met Steph before. Have you ever had one of those moments where I was like, I don't think we have, but you kind of think we have. And eventually, she just said something really quite loosely, just in passing. She was like, oh, it must be the family likeness, because you're like him. And for a moment, I was like, I've got no idea what you're talking about, until I realized what she meant. And it was it was that she's kind of saying, it's because you're like Jesus. Now, maybe she said that to others before, and it was quite a light comment, but I was like, that is a phenomenal compliment, because we're supposed to be people that are becoming more like Jesus. You need to look more like him, not more like your parents. Therefore... There is great hope for your children. I would say that of our children. Don't, don't look at me, oh my goodness, but follow the Jesus in me. But don't follow me because I'm far too broken with far too many challenges. But would it be through this broken, cracked jar of clay, you might see something of the all-surpassing greatness and glory of God? Now, some of you will be wondering, but how on earth do I love like Jesus loved? Let me share this with you. John 13:34. Jesus says this. So I am now giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Towards the end of his life, the same John who wrote that also said this. 1 John 5, verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Don't you love that? I've really been dwelling on that this week. It's not burdensome. To follow the command to love like Jesus, John said, is not burdensome. What is it that he's discovered? What is it that he's understood that we can incorporate into our lives? And that's the journey that I want to go on this morning, that we we need to have greater love but less burden. And I just want to suggest four things that I think we find in the promises of Jesus in his command to love. We're going to need to include four things to do this well. And let me just give you an outline of the four in case you get lost in what I'm saying. But first is this, a better example then a stronger foundation, thirdly a higher purpose, and fourthly a greater power. I tried to, anyway, let's not go there, but I tried. Um, So the first one is this, a better example. Jesus urges us to love one another as I have loved you. The power of example is a really, really big deal. Sometimes even subconsciously, we just take it on without fully realising what's happened. But all of us will follow examples that have been set by us. It's so true with relationships as well. We often love the way that we have been loved. We don't have to, we don't always, but we do tend to if we don't fully realise it or acknowledge it. And it's... If if things are just left to themselves without giving greater attention to it, we tend to drift towards the thing that we knew, the example potentially, therefore, that we had as we were growing up. So if affection was given out quite liberally, you will probably give it out quite liberally. Actually, if it's the reverse in your life, probably, therefore, the reverse. And in marriage, when, when when you come from different upbringings, what can happen is opposites attract. Actually, what can then also happen is opposites attack. Because that display of love and affection that attracted you to the person in the first place because they were so different to the thing that you knew when you were growing up, can then present you with challenges because they don't, in the longer term, fit the picture that you're used to experiencing. Does that make sense? When, when Steph and I first got together, I was often, and I, I'm deeply saddened by the fact that I did this, but I was often quite mean to her in public. It was a subconscious overflow of the pain that I was carrying in my life. Now, praise God, she had the resolve to stick with me through it. And while she wasn't in my pain, she was certainly there to help me uncover my healing because she uncovered something to allow it to be recovered, if that makes sense. And um, she helped me stick it before Jesus, understand it, and find a point and a place of healing. Because hurt people hurt people, freed people free people. And we want to be freed people. Now, I mention marriage, but you could apply that to most relationships, interactions, or friendship groups that you have or you're part of. It can be hard to break the power of example set before you, but you've got to see it and acknowledge it and call it out. Now, it wasn't necessarily something that you might have developed or inhabited from your parents, but, but it can be a pain. There can be a pain there or a subconscious absorption of something that then flows out from you to those around you. Now, that can have deep implications for the way you parent or the way you spiritually mother and father others. You will tend to raise your children in the way that you were raised. So if you found that to be a place of frustration or anger or neglect or lack of love or all those things were experienced, that is likely to be the thing that naturally leaks out of you. Again, that's not necessarily something even that your parents have put onto you, but it can be a place where you've absorbed or received pain that then subconsciously you start to pass on to others. Now, when I said we've got to be sensitive to this room and this might be quite a hard series to walk through, do you see what I mean? Because I say all of that quite quickly, but I realise I'm I'm stirring some stuff for some of you. I guess what I hope we're gently doing is just holding a mirror up so that we can see it, acknowledge it, and then we stick it, before the Lord and allow him to heal it. I realize that I'm walking into some quite significant places of pain and loss for a number of you. If you grew up in a loud home, the likelihood is, you know, everybody chatting all at the same time, the likelihood is that will be the home that you then develop as you grow up, equally, if it was the reverse, it will probably be the reverse. Now, one way isn't right or wrong. It's just sometimes acknowledging that we have two different family cultures that they can can come together and form something. And you will have, at times, many times probably, seen or heard your parents in the way you speak or respond. I've done that so many times. I'm like, I will never say, it. oh, come I've just said the thing I said I would never say. Now, even there are bad examples even in the best of parents because we're not trying to reflect something of our earthly parents. We're trying to reflect something of our heavenly father. So even the best of earthly parents, we're trying to step slightly beyond what that is. And there may, for some of you, been a degree of abandonment or they would have spent very little time with you or on you, and that may deeply hurt you. And we want to change and we try to change. And sometimes we even successfully change, but you may find that just comes at a significant cost because what it can do is wear you out and it deeply wears you out on the inside. And then you start to wonder, how can I keep this thing going? How can I keep changing? Because I feel like I'm just been pulled back to a previous model or example. I've seen people give everything they've got to raising their children and then when their kids leave home they've got nothing left for each other and it starts to break down and fall apart and honestly I don't want that for you so we've got to speak into these things because we've got to long and believe for something better and it's not just enough to break an old or a bad pattern in order to change the way you love you've got to find a new pattern if that makes sense. Jesus gave us a new commandment because a new commitment wasn't going to be enough. Does that make sense? We need a new commandment rather than a new commitment. So the magnet of the, the model that you maybe had that you feel keeps pulling you back or holding you back, the more you say you don't want to be like them, the more you're almost facing placing emphasis on the previous pattern of behavior that you don't want to be like. The stronger, therefore, the magnetic pull can be that keeps pulling you back to that feeling of being deflated, depleted, and sticking in an old way. I don't know if you've ever found that or experienced that. I certainly have. Now, sorry, this is remarkably cheesy, but what you really need is a new and a stronger magnet pulling you to the thing that you're supposed to be like. That's what Jesus puts on the table. I think that's what Jesus is saying when he's like, here's a new commandment. It's not a new commitment, it's a new commandment. And the example of Jesus, therefore lived out in daily relationships, can give you strength to live in new ways. It's a new strength to live in a new way. Now some of you, I I just want to acknowledge, you, you will have never necessarily have experienced that, because you're just trying to unlive what has been given to you rather than actually seeing this as a new thing that needs to come on you. That's why I said last week that worship is so key to this because it takes your eyes off you and you trying to do something and it puts it on him and him releasing something over you. The old magnet of um, past patterns hasn't vanished, but instead you have a new and you have a greater power drawing you in a new direction. So the first thing really was a better example The second thing is this, a stronger foundation. Uh, An example shows you the direction to go in, but it's the foundation that gives you the strength to go in that direction, if that makes sense. Jesus is the new commandment, and he releases the new commandment. He says this, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. We need the foundation of his love in order to love in the way that he loved. One of the most significant things you can do in this life, I think, is recognize the truth and come to a knowledge and understanding of the truth that Jesus loves you. You know, I um, often sing one of the kids, kids' songs. I sing it to myself all the time. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Do you know that? Honestly, do you know that? Because you cannot give what you yourself haven't received. You need to know that you're loved and find the security and the fulfillment in that love in your life. Because actually, you were created for it. And if you don't find it in the right place, you will find it in the wrong place. And you will try and find it in relationships or consumerism or pornography or through obsessive and compulsive behaviors. Whatever it might be that you find is the magnet pulling you the other way is often because we just haven't come to the security and the realization of the love of God and what he has for us and how He pours it into our lives. So I guess I want to ask you this. Do you know it? Because honestly, you can't give it if you yourself haven't received it. You can't give unconditional love unless you yourself have received unconditional love. And you can't give unselfish love unless you yourself have received unselfish love. You can't give patient love. We could go on and on and on, but you can't give love in forgiveness unless you have been loved in forgiveness. I just want to encourage you this week to sit in some of the truth of this. Psalm 57, verse 10. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches the clouds. Isaiah 54, verse 8. But with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Ephesians 3, 18. And may you have the power to understand as all god's people should how wide how long how high and how deep his love is may you experience the love of christ though it is too great to fully understand then you'll be made complete by all the fullness of life and power that comes from god 1 john 4:10 this is real love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our take away our sins. I could go on and on and on and on and on, and we could because we find it written all over the Bible. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love that passage because it says, as dearly loved children... You know, one of the most empowering steps you can take to love others and to love your children, one of the most empowering steps you can take to invest in others is to realize that you yourself are a dearly loved child. As dearly loved children, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand, then, then you will be made complete. It's when you get all of that, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You are dearly, dearly loved by the Father. A better example, a stronger foundation. The third one, this, a higher purpose. Jesus clearly teaches that love is to be our highest priority, love God and love others. But this high priority has to have a higher, therefore, purpose. Because if love's highest purpose is just love itself, it's going to cave in. Because it's got nothing to form or build it around. And that higher purpose, Jesus points to in in his new commandment, is this. Let the world see whose we are. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus says that the greatest evidence to those around us that we are his followers is that we display and show something of our love for one another. That means the highest purpose of parenting or the highest purpose of spiritual parenting isn't to have a good family or a loving family or a fun family. The highest purpose is to help our children know and glorify God and to show the world the heart of God through the way we live our lives. How we love each other and how we love others is so important. So we've got to teach it. We, we actually have to actively teach it. It's not always just caught. Sometimes we've got to step into that place of saying, this is a big deal. This is the thing we should be doing. I, um, we seek to take every opportunity to teach our children just that. The other week, we were, um, just stopped in, in the middle of Manchester at some traffic lights, and someone walks up to the car. Many of you will have faced this many times where they're, like, begging for money. And we had a chat about it. And as we were having a chat about it, I could see out the front window this guy who was in a sleeping bag who was, was clearly homeless. And we had a chat about it. And live our five-year-old... I, she kind of stopped me halfway through as we are chatting about it. She's like, yeah, 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 I know all about that. They teach us that in the kids' group. That's what we're doing. That's why we're doing 422. That's why I want to give all my money to the church. And um, a few weeks before that, we're walking to school, and she's walking with her little friend, Sarah, and her, her mum. And... Um, Liv says, like, I want to give all my pocket money to the church. And I ended up having to share with this child's mum why we do that. It was a bit out of context. And we're talking about 422 and, and these, these kind of things. And for those of you who are like, oh, give it a rest, like your children. The other day she said to me, Daddy... We're actually going to have to use your money because I've used all of my money on my toys. And uh, so, just to ground it a little bit. And then, within the same sentence, she said to me, And, Daddy, on the top of your head, you've got skin where other people have hair. So, uh, just so you know, we're we also normal kids, normal family. And I'm not trying to inflate or elate that, but we've got to use every opportunity we have to teach love for each other and love for others and we celebrate compassion we celebrate compassionate behavior you know it's it's easy to start thinking isn't it well I don't fit this picture of a loving family if you knew my past or the dynamics of my life how would this work how can we show the world when I can't even see it myself in my own context well I just want to take a brief look at one of the most famous families in the Bible. It's around Genesis 37. I'm going to have to paraphrase it because it covers quite a few chapters because of time. But Jacob sets his own son up for failure when actually he should have known better. And he'd seen in his own childhood what the seeds of sibling rivalry could grow into. Jacob had fought with his own brother Esau for parental approval with disastrous results and now Jacob is trying to give his youngest son Joseph the love that he never received as the youngest son from his father Isaac and because of his pain Jacob overcompensates as a father and he shows special love to Joseph whilst ignoring all of his other 10 brothers and the older brothers emotional reaction to that are quite predictable and they hate their little brother and Joseph doesn't really help in that he treats his brothers with, with like a childish pride. And whilst the response is predictable, the action that actually they then go on to take is, is kind of, I would hope we would say, is shocking. They're working in fields and they plot to kill him and yet one of the brothers is convinced that they should throw him into a deep pit rather than kill him and then seeing a caravan, many of you will know the story, they see the caravan traveling by, they decide to make some quick money and maybe alleviate some of the guilt that they're facing and feeling and they sell this youngest brother into slavery. And where's, where's, where's the father in all of this? Where's Jacob in all of this? You know, he may have been at home but actually, of course, he's still caught right in the middle of the story because his reaction to the pain of his own childhood, he sets the stage and he writes the script for then all that is played out between his sons. One son is sold into slavery and the rest then go on to lie about what happened. Jacob's failure as a father is on display for us all to see. And I think it's tempting to think failure as a father is the end of the story. It can be tempted maybe for some of you to feel the pain of your own generational line and let that wound or that perceived limitation inhibit you. But God wasn't finished with Jacob as a parent. In fact, what humanly we should really do is stand in complete and total amazement at God that he's about to birth an entire nation out of this mess of a family. It's why I said earlier, we want to dig for gold. If you think you're at the point where it's, it's not working and it's not what it should be, and you screwed it up or you didn't have the thing that you think you need, this is what it is to stand and to live in the kingdom because we start to dig for gold. What may feel like a mess may actually be about to become your ministry and what may feel like a test may actually start to become your testimony. Because if you feel crushed either as as a parent or in your inability to spiritually parent because of the experiences either you have faced or haven't faced, that's exactly the point, I think. That we hand over to the father and we allow him to step in Jacob's 12 sons eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel as flawed as Jacob was he still loved his children you can see his love in the way he continues to love his children you can see his love in the way he grieves for the for the loss of a son you can see his love in the way even though it's flawed actually, that he was overprotective of Benjamin, a younger younger son that was born after the disappearance of Joseph. You know, in that family, there is no two ways about it. Mistakes are made. Sins are committed. Guilt is hidden. And yet love is still the thing that is chosen. And then years later, God will bring the family back together again with Joseph now as a leader in Egypt, and the older brothers are given a chance to deal with their guilt and their suspicions that they had and they held. We get repeated opportunities in our lives to deal with our stuff and to rewrite the story, because that's the God that we follow, is the God of second chances. So Joseph gets an opportunity to show that he's worked through his bitterness, And he says to his brothers, he says this. This is why I didn't read the whole thing because we've jumped on quite a bit. But Genesis 50 verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Jacob is restored to the place of honor as a father of a family that yes, absolutely has great flaws and breathtaking struggles And yet is used in ways to then bless the world. God can work through you and your family dynamic. It's not about looking good. It's about having a higher purpose, seeking to glorify God from this point on, no matter what your family looks like. God can be trusted and he can be glorified even in the midst of pain, challenge and struggles. The truth of love's higher purpose is that it opens our eyes to see that God has a plan. God has a plan for you, no matter what your circumstances are. And in every circumstance you face, God can show the world through it what he's like. So it's a better example, a stronger foundation, a higher purpose, and a greater power. Let me just land on a greater power. We can fake it, and we can pretend, or we can drop our pride, and we can drop on our knees before God and long for him to move rather than us. Love and genuine love happens right in the middle of the reality of life. You know, when you yell at your kids in the morning, yet apologize when they come back from school, you're teaching them more about forgiveness than they would be taught in a lesson. When you give up the thing that you wanted to do because you choose to drop off a food parcel or whatever it is for somebody else who is ill or is struggling, and you take the kids on the journey of that, you're teaching them more about selfless, self-sacrificial serving than they will learn in years in reading it in a book. When you hold the line on the thing that you've said no about and you don't just cave in even though their friends are and everybody's doing it and they're obsessively nagging you about it, you've taught them more about integrity then they'll often fail, sadly, to see in the culture around them. Now, you can apply all of that. I know I relate that to parents, but you could apply all of that to being spiritual parents and sons and daughters. How often do you say, I'm sorry, to others? Or, actually, I was quick to judge on that one. My attitude was poor, and I'm sorry. Because when we drop our pride and our stubbornness and we start to relate in the ways of the kingdom rather than the ways of the culture, something quite significant starts to happen. To love like Jesus, it is obvious that you won't find that power in yourself. The best you can do in your own power is to love like you. But to love like Jesus, we need his power in our daily lives. 1 John four nineteen. we love each other because he first loved us. His love leads us into his way, not into our way. So if you haven't had it given to you in the earlier stages of your life, you don't need to go back to that. You need to come to him who is the source of it all. Paul in Philippians 4.11, not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and almost everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or an empty, with little or plenty. We find contentment in the love of God, which without it, you will find yourself becoming bitter about your circumstances. And bitterness can drive us towards a self-reliant achievement or a self-depreciating discouragement. Both of them cause us to rely on ourselves. The greatest danger of discontentment is that it causes you to trust in you and all you can do instead of God and what he can do. When I'm discontent, I'm driven to trust in myself. When I'm content, I find myself trusting in God regardless of my circumstances. And surely that's the people we're called to be and the people that we want to be. We seek out a higher power that will invest in us and believe in us and develop in us and deposit in us a love of him and from him that then we're able to hand on and to give away. I that's helpful. Why don't we stand together? Steph, will you join me? If you're, if you're, if you're new in the room, what we're just going to do is just take a moment just to wait and to rest in the presence of god and to do that we just invite the holy spirit you might want to just close your eyes or whatever it is whatever posture allows you to just take a moment take some space so father we welcome you send your spirit freely upon us and among us come and minister to us
0: In a moment, the the band will come and join us and they'll play, just play softly in the background as we pray for one another. But I just want to, before they do that, I just want to invite the kind of first wave of people. And that's any of you that just feel that you are deficient in any way, that you've lost, that you've been robbed of in terms of being loved and knowing that you're loved, either by your heavenly father or your earthly parents or anything else that may have happened. But anyone that just feels. I think yeah, the, the, the words I have is deficient or diminished. Um diminished in, in hope, diminished in love. Um yeah. so why don't you come up first?
1: Yeah, and don't be don't be ashamed or embarrassed about that. Don't don't let the enemy rob you of that place.
0: This is a really precious and very very vulnerable thing and we just honour these dear ones as they come as they come forward and and long for the Holy Spirit to meet with them. So if there's more of you, just just come now. Just come to the front.
1: Just practically for those that join them in a moment and pray with them, can I can I just encourage us don't rush in with human comfort. Don't rush in with tissues. Don't rush in with a hug. It's just stand alongside people but let's let the 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 father deposit something of his love in a way that maybe they've never known or experienced as we as we're open and vulnerable that's the thing that he does and we want him to do it rather than us to do it come lord
0: yeah so if you're in a small group in the life of the church why don't you come and pray for these for these people let's not leave them waiting
1: And as Steph said, there'll be waves. Let's just stay receptive in the room. This isn't a a spectator sport. We don't need to see what's going on with us. We just want to see what the Lord's doing with you. Let's just stay receptive and open. Lord, we welcome you. Come now. I just think those that have responded to that first wave, I just encourage you to stay with this for a while. Sometimes the longer we wait, the more he does. I think for some of you, it's not just breaking off lies that have been spoken over you. Some of you, it's stuff that just hasn't even been there. You've not known it, you've not received it. He he's just does a deep work in our hearts. Come, Lord. There'll be a number of other things that he will do and want to do in the room. I just had a sense, um, it's funny, sometimes I get a pain where sometimes I think that it's like the Lord speaking about uh, physical healing. Uh, I don't know why, it just happened to all be down the right side of my body, so it was like there was a pain in my upper right ear, around my right eye, my right cheek. uh, I, I don't know if it's even a thing, but like a, a, a lower part of the right knee uh, in in the bone and then the inside of my right ankle. I think if any of you that resonates or you respond to, hang on, that is me or that relates to something me, I'd encourage you to step into the place of prayer for that. There'll be a number of other things where I haven't mentioned them, but I think specifically the Lord wants, it's almost more than the physical with those things. He, he's trying to get your attention.
0: Yeah, in addition to that, I, um, I felt um, like a, a griping in my, in my stomach. Um, and also, um, I think there may be someone who suffers with just like a shortness of, of breath, um, a constant thing. So we'd love to pray for, for physical healing for anyone that responds to any of those things or anything else. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.